Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. The Sex Spiral will teach you God's design for sexuality, the triggers that lead to porn addiction, and how to exit the sex spiral with a purity plan for your life. You can order online at Amazon.com or any other retailer. Hey, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's show. The Dustin Daniels Show. Unashamedly proclaiming God's purity through His Son, Jesus Christ. Devoted to saving marriages. Dedicated to protecting children. Addressing sex with biblical truth and without shock value. You're listening to the intersection of life and lust. Call toll-free at 1-855-5-DUSTIN. And now, here's your host, Purity Pastor Dustin Daniels. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became human and lived among us. We saw His glory. It was the glory that the Father shares with His only Son, a glory full of kindness and truth. The Word became flesh and blood and and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, this one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Have you ever pondered that text from John 1.14? That Almighty God would step down off His throne where myriads of angels continually sing holy, holy, holy. For the sole purpose of showing us how to live, how to die, defeating death and casting our sins as far as the east is from the west. Yes, my dear brothers and sisters, the veil has indeed been torn, but how? The word became flesh. And why? Why would the word, why would Jesus Christ become flesh? Revelation 21.3 tells us, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell among them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Wow. I mean, if Jesus Christ became flesh and he is physically going to dwell among his people in the new heaven and the new earth, why do we as his bride tend to think of our own physical bodies as hmm, as bad that somehow our flesh is just a a mere tent that kind of houses all of our evil desires i mean is is that really the case have we ever really considered the theology of our own bodies christopher west is a renowned educator and best-selling author specializes in making pope john paul ii's theology of the body Accessible to a wide audience, you may have seen Christopher on Fox News, ABC News, MSNBC, and more. And today we have this great privilege of discussing Christopher's latest book. It's titled, Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing. Christopher, welcome to the program. 
Dustin, it's a real pleasure to be with you and your audience today. Well, thank you, sir. Hey, I am so excited to hear from you on your new book. But before we dive in, tell us what this theology of the body is all about. Well, it's an unusual expression, isn't it? It Uh, is. Theology of the body. Most of us as Christians, we haven't heard this idea that our bodies are a study of God, a theology. And yet, if we believe in the Incarnation, if we believe in Christmas, that the Word (laughs) was made flesh, then it shouldn't, shouldn't surprise us in the least that our bodies are a study of God. See, God wants to make Himself visible to us. God is invisible, and yet... John says in his first letter, it's that which I have seen with my eyes, it's that which I have touched with my hands that I proclaim to you. How can John see God with his eyes and touch him with his hands? Only through the Word made flesh. The human body, through the Incarnation, has become the main revelation of the mystery of the eternal God. And guess what, Dustin? That makes our bodies also theological because we're made in Christ, we're destined for Christ, we are made in the image and likeness of God right in the beginning, all of which is a foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. It is Christ in the flesh that is the great mystery of Scripture, and right from the beginning, our bodies, as male and female, are a foreshadowing of the great mystery of Christ's love for the Church. This is what Scripture teaches. And this theology of the body, this isn't necessarily your term. This is, this is a, a teaching of Pope John Paul II. Is that correct? That's right. John Paul II, between 1979 and 1984, gave a collection of 129 biblical reflections just seeking to answer the question, what is the meaning of the human body? Why did God make us male and female, and what does that mean for our humanity? And he helped the modern world to understand that our bodies tell a story. Our bodies, in fact, tell the story of God's eternal love for us. I mean, look at it. The Bible from beginning to end, you know, many people don't realize this, but it tells the story of marriage. Right in Genesis, creation, the creation story culminates in our creation as male and female and the call of the two to become one flesh. Throughout the Old Testament, God speaks of his love for his people as the love of a husband for his bride. In the New Testament, the love of the eternal bridegroom is literally embodied when the Word is made flesh. And skip to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation describes heaven as an eternal marriage. See, the Bible begins with the marriage of man and woman. It ends with the marriage of Christ and the Church. And the whole purpose of our creation as male and female is to reveal, to tell the story of this eternal destiny we have of marriage to God forever. This means we really have to understand marriage rightly if we're to orient our hearts towards heaven. That's what the theology of the body is all about. And, and so where do we get this, this idea, Christopher, that spirit good, body bad? Well, I think sometimes we have this impression because, yes, it's true, our bodies, because of original sin, end in death, right? Everybody's going to return to dust. That's our, 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 our destiny here. Without Christ, all we have is death in the body. And yet, Christ took on flesh to redeem our flesh. Christ was nailed to a cross bodily, buried in the tomb bodily, and rose from the dead bodily, ascended to the Father bodily. This is the ultimate destiny in Jesus Christ. It's the redemption of our bodies, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8. And here, in this context, Dustin, it 
by the flesh. The Spirit gives life, the flesh leads to death. We often think Paul is saying the Spirit is good and the body is evil. Whoa, 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 time out a minute. If the body is evil, then the idea that God would take on a body is blasphemy. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. so important that we realize Paul is not saying the body is evil. To live by the Spirit does not mean we reject our bodies. Rather, as Paul himself tells us, it means we open our bodies to the indwelling of the Spirit. Because if the Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, then that same Spirit will give life to our mortal bodies also, Paul tells us in in Romans. This is the key point. Living by the Spirit means opening our bodies to the indwelling of the Spirit so that what we do with our bodies will glorify God. That's the key point. At the very beginning of your book, Christopher, you say that our bodies tell the story of our incompleteness. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Look at a man's body. Uh, Gentlemen, all you guys listening out there, have you ever wondered standing there in the shower, why, oh God, did you make me this way? (laughs) Uh, A a man's body makes no sense by itself. And a woman's body makes no sense by itself. But seen in light of each other, unless we are blind, we see the unmistakable design of the Creator that man is created to be a gift to woman. And woman is created to open and receive this gift and return this gift to the man. And the love between the man and the woman is so real that in the normal course of events, it leads to another person, another person. And here we catch, as John Paul II says in his Theology of the Body, here we catch in that fruitful love of man and woman, we catch a little glimpse of the Trinity. Because in the normal course of events, the union of the two leads to a third. And there we catch that that Trinitarian image. Of course, we're not saying God is sexual. God is not sexual. But our sexuality made in the image of God, rightly understood, rightly seen, is a story. It tells the story of God's Trinitarian love. It tells the story that God wants to be one with us. God wants to fill us with eternal life. I mean, look right in Scripture. There is a woman who lived 2,000 years ago who said yes to this eternal marriage proposal, and she literally conceived eternal life in her womb. Our bodies are meant to participate in this glorious mystery. Wow. When we start pondering and thinking about this, and I've, I've been listening to your audio series, and I've, I've read several of your books, Christopher, and I tell you, it does. When you start adding theology to our physical bodies, it does change everything. Well, you know what happens, Dustin? We begin to understand the great spiritual battle that's going on in the world today and why it is so pinpointedly focused on the body and sexuality. Absolutely. Why? Well, think about it. If Paul is right in Ephesians chapter 5, and we know he is, it's Scripture, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 that the one flesh union is a profound mystery that refers to Christ and the Church. Think about it. If God created us as sexual beings, male and female, and caused the two to be one flesh, to be a sign here on planet Earth of the eternal destiny of Christ and the Church, well, no wonder the enemy's after it. No wonder the enemy's after our sexuality. And it's no coincidence, I'm going to say here, it's going to sound a little odd, but no coincidence that Ephesians chapter 6 comes after Ephesians chapter 5. How about that? (laughs) Write that one down. Write that one down. What do we learn in Ephesians chapter 6? 
Paul says, basically, you want to live what I just told you in the last chapter of my letter about the one plus union? Get ready for a war. Mm -hmm. Get ready for a battle. The enemy aims all his arrows at the mystery of our sexuality precisely because it's the main sign in the created world of God's eternal plan of love. And Paul tells us that if you want to win this war, you've got to put on the armor. And the very first piece of armor he says we have to put on, you know what it is, Dustin? Gird our loins. Gird our loins in the truth. What truth? The truth that we are made in the image and likeness of God, and our bodies are a sign in the world of our eternal destiny of union with God forever. And so Paul tells us, you once offered the members of your body for sin and unrighteousness. Now, offer the members of your body for righteousness as 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 weapons of war, for, for truth, for goodness, for love, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the Church. See, the call to love that Jesus gives us in the New Testament, love one another as I have loved you, it's literally stamped by God in our bodies as male and female. Through this book, Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing, you talk about desire a lot. And one of the things that continues to plague our church and, and through the culture is this idea that sexual desire is an enemy somehow of the, yes. Chris, of the Christian life. Is, well, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, tragically, we, we grow up thinking somehow that desire itself is evil, it's only going to get us in trouble, and the Christian life is all about repressing our desire, annihilating our desire, and just following a bunch of rules. Well, that's what I call the starvation diet gospel. You see, we have all these hungers deep in our hearts that God put there, a yearning for the true, the good, and the beautiful, a yearning for love, for happiness, for fulfillment. The Greeks called that desire eros. E-R-O-S. Of course, we get our English word erotic from that Greek word, but tragically, in the English language, and especially in our world today, the word erotic has become terribly twisted and distorted, and it usually refers to a base, lustful desire for the false, the twisted, and the ugly. No, eros, as God created it to be. Remember, God looked at everything he made and said, Behold, it is very good. Eros, in the beginning, was the upward impulse of the human heart towards everything true, good, and beautiful. In fact, Eros, ultimately, is our yearning for eternal union with God. And this is why the enemy's after it, because if he can disorient our desire, turn it away from union with God, and just limit it to the creature, well, now we're in Romans chapter 1, where we give up worship of the Creator— and we start worshiping the creature, and then we're given up in the lusts of our humanity to debase our bodies with one another, as Paul says. And yet, even here, and Paul himself is the example of this in the Acts of the Apostles, even here in our world's sexual idolatry, we see still in there, although it's twisted and distorted, we still see underneath all the idolatry, we see our desire for God. It's just gotten misdirected. And so Paul goes into Athens in Acts of the Apostles, and we read that he studied their idols. He studied their idols intently. Now, they didn't have photography 2,000 years ago, but they did have sculpture. And if the historians are correct, what Paul saw in Athens was pornographic statues. 
and he goes into Athens, and he doesn't condemn the people. Listen to what he says. The first words out of Paul's mouth, he says, I see you are a very religious people. (laughs) I love that. But then he says, let me show you the God you're really looking for. That's right. This God is unknown to you. Let me help you. As I say in my book, Paul is basically saying, let me help you redirect your desire according to God's design so that you can reach your ultimate destiny, the marriage of the Lamb. This is what evangelization is all about, Dustin. As Jesus said, we got to go into the main streets and invite everyone to the wedding feast. This is our destiny, a wedding feast. The union of man and woman, as beautiful as it is in God's design, it's just a little foreshadowing. It's just a little glimmer of the eternal union that awaits us in the marriage of the Lamb. When we fail to know this, we start worshiping not God, but the next best thing, the image of God. And when we worship the image of God, the theology of our bodies becomes a pornology of our bodies. It becomes pornography. Wow. Wow. Today on the show, Christopher West, author of Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing. You can find out more about Christopher at thecoreproject.com. That's C-O-R project.com. So, Christopher, how do we how do we redirect this desire, this wild desire that we have for another person and then to set that desire to be set on fire for God? How do we do that? Yeah, well, Christ himself said he came to set the world on fire. And when we are filled with lust, the problem is not that we're desiring too much. The problem, actually, as C.S. Lewis tells us, is that we're desiring too little. C.S. Lewis says, when we look at the rewards promised us in the gospel, when we look at this eternal marriage of the Lamb, and we realize that we're fuddling around and chasing things like drink and sex, he says, the problem is not that we desire too much, we desire too little. He says, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a child who prefers to play in, in mud and in a slum rather than have a holiday at the beach. We don't understand the glories and the ecstasies for which God has created us. And so we settle for so much less. As I say in my book, Fill These Hearts, we have to have the courage not to to kill our desire. The goal of the Christian life is not the depth of desire, it's the depth, D-E-P-T-H, the depth of desire. Because if we have the courage to go into our deepest longings and desires, what we're going to discover is a desire for the infinite. You see, Christianity is not a starvation diet. Christianity is an invitation to a wedding feast, an infinite banquet. And we have to have the courage to allow God to expand our desires unto infinity. We have to let them stretch us to the point that we see There is nothing in this finite world that can satisfy. But, Dustin, here's the problem. If we don't know about this infinite feast that God has in store for us, then what I call the culture's fast food gospel is going to start looking very attractive to us. What do I mean here? Well, when I say fast food, I say basically the culture knows that we are creatures of passion and longing and desire. And the culture knows how to awaken those desires. 
but the culture directs our desire towards finite pleasures, towards things in this finite world. It's a promise of immediate gratification, but it ends in despair. You know, this is the story of my life. I was raised on the starvation diet in the 70s and 80s, growing up in a Christian home and going to, you know, Catholic education. I, I, I didn't get this invitation to the banquet, not because the Catholic Church or the Christian Church at large doesn't have this invitation. I just didn't hear it. And so think about it. With this deep hunger we all have, if the only two choices are starvation on the one hand and fast food on the other, I don't know about you, Dustin, but I'm going for the nuggets because I'm hungry. <laughs> That's right. But if you do that, you're going to end up like the guy in the movie Supersize Me. Yeah. Remember the guy who ate McDonald's oh, breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner Absolutely. for 30 days? He was literally dying at the end of that experiment. And that's a picture of me, spiritually speaking, in my college years. Raised on the starvation diet, I went to the fast food, I got sick from the fast food, and I remember it was 1988, I fell on my knees in a college dorm and I said, God in heaven, if you exist, you better show me. And you better show me why you gave me all these desires, because they're getting me and everybody I know into a heck of a lot of trouble. What is your plan? Long story short, Jesus said, seek and you'll find. I sought, and what I found was this theology of the body. And somehow this crazy Polish priest named Karol Wojtyla, <laughs> better known to the world as Pope John Paul II, somehow he was able to put his finger on the deepest yearnings and desires of my soul and help me redirect that desire according to God's design so I could aim my rocket engine, so to speak, at the stars. That's what Eros is. Eros, erotic longing, God gave it to us to be like the fuel of a rocket that has the power to launch us to infinity and beyond. But what would happen if those rocket engines became inverted set that rocket off, and it's going to end in destruction. That's original sin. That's what sin has done to our sexuality. The problem is not our sexuality. The problem is the rocket engines are pointed in the wrong direction. Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn the body, but to redeem the body. That's the good news of the gospel. Today on the show, Christopher West, author of his new book, it's called Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing. You can check out Christopher and his ministry at thecoreproject.com. Once again, that's C-O-R-Project.com. Hey, if you're a new listener to the program, I want to thank you for listening. You can check out all of the 75 radio programs at DustinDanielsRadio.com. We have over 40 authors of Christian Pastors, filmmakers, ministry leaders, all discussing this plan of, of purity and God's purity of sex and singleness and marriage and family, along with children and finances. And Christopher and I have been talking about his new book, and there's a lot of information in here. I want to encourage you to uh, re-listen to the program via podcast or iTunes. And once again, once you jump on the, the website there, you can email us your questions. There's a free online community to get plugged in, and then my heart's desire is that you get connected in a small group where you live. If you've got questions for us, you can give me a call here at one 5 dustin And look, I want to thank you guys for supporting the ministry as well. This radio program is a miracle, and it only exists by the grace of Almighty God, and I am, I am so thankful 
that he is using you with your prayerful and your financial support to spread this message of purity to over 75 countries around the world. Once again, learn more at DustinDanielsRadio.com. If you're a Twitter person, you can follow me at Purity Pastor. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says the kingdom of God isn't just a lot of talk. It's living and living in God's power. And my prayer for you is to live in God's power because it is for freedom that Jesus Christ set us free. I love you. See you next week. The Dustin Daniels Radio Show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the host nor the station is engaged in rendering counseling advice for your personal situation. If you need further help, we encourage you to seek the services of a Christ-based counseling professional. For more information on the radio show, visit DustinDanielsRadio.com.